Star Wars, The Han Solo Adventures by Brian Daly, read by Alec Bowles. Han Solo's Revenge 13. Galandro approached the Falcon at a sedate pace. When he stopped, looking up at the cockpit, his hand moved to his belt and brought something up. A moment later, the gunman's voice came over the commo board, obviously channeled through the Espo warship. Solo, can you hear me? Rather than answer, Han flashed the ship's running lights once. Oh, come now, Solo. How can you be surly to the man who saved your skin? Easily, Han reflected, when he's so slick and so fast with a blaster. But he opened his headset mic. It's your play, Galandro. There was satisfaction in the other's tone. That's better. Isn't cordiality more pleasant? I'm sure that even you can grasp the realities here, Solo. If nothing else, you're a pragmatist. Kindly open your main hatch and come down, if you'd be so good, and we'll sort out this entire affair. Han considered suggesting that Galandro go sit in a converter, but one glance up at the great underbelly of the destroyer changed his mind. Turbo laser emplacements, twin and quad batteries, missile tubes, and tractor beam projectors were all aimed at the freighter. One wrong move, and we'd all be random energy. He sighed and unbuckled his seatbelt. Perhaps something outside would change the situation but he knew nothing he could do there in the cockpit would help. He turned to find that Spray had been standing at the rear of the cockpit, watching him. A moment later, Fiola appeared, next to Tynan. It occurred to him that she might have some use as a hostage, but in view of the number of times her life had been in real danger already, he doubted that threatening her would deter Galandro. The man seemed to know what real ruthlessness was, Besides, Han wasn't sure Galandro would believe Han could kill her in cold blood, even now. Your friends have shown up, Han told her bitterly. The authority has things well in hand. There ought to be that big promo in this one, Viola. She moved away toward the main hatch. Spray gave Han an odd look, then followed her. Encountering bollocks in the passageway, Han nodded at him. Step into the cockpit and keep a photoreceptor on things, old-timer. If we don't come back, the ship is yours. Unless Interstellar Collections grabs it. Good luck. Business has been lousy lately. When Han got the hatch open, he found Galandro waiting at the ramp's foot. The gunman met his stare with a polite inclination of the head. I mentioned earlier today, Captain, that there would perhaps be another occasion. The invitation was obvious. Han thought about hooking for his blaster, but recalling Galandro's incredible speed, set it aside as an option he could take later. Han was prepared to believe that the man confronting him was his equal or better with the sidearm. Galandro saw that in his expression and evinced a certain disappointment. Very well then, Solo. You may keep your blaster for now, in case you change your mind. I don't suppose I need to tell you how many weapons are trained on you right now. Please, don't do anything abrupt without letting me clear it beforehand. 
Han and Chewbacca stepped off to opposite sides of the ramp's foot, but Galandro stayed far enough back to keep them both in view. The Wookiee, as aware of the situation as Han, kept his bowcaster slung at his shoulder. Han was expecting to see a profuse greeting or at least a cordial welcome for Fiola, but Galandro accorded her only a suave smile and sketchy bow and waited expectantly. Spray was last down, coming at his slightly uneven dryland gait, the tip of his tail brushing the ramp, some moisture from his recent swim still gleaming in his pelt. Galandro bowed to him deferentially, although the gunman never lost sight of Han. Odeman, Galandro said. Welcome, sir. You've brought yet another project to a successful conclusion. You haven't lost your touch for field work, I see. Spray made a depreciating gesture, squinting up at the tall, aristocratic gunfighter. I was fortunate, old friend. I must confess, I find I much prefer administration. Han, who'd been gaping from one to the other while Chewbacca made little strangling sounds, finally got out, Odeman? You're the territorial manager? Why, you treacherous, mutinous worm, I ought to... Words failed him for a fate sufficiently horrible. That's hardly called for, Captain, Spray chided, sounding wounded. I did start out as a skip tracer, you see, but as I advanced myself in the structure of the corporate sector authority, I found it expedient as a non-human to use others as go-betweens and remain an anonymous figure. In this slavery business, which extends to my own deputies and officials at the security police, I found myself obliged to do my own investigating with the help of a few trusted aides like Galandro here. He laced his webbed fingers together and assumed the introspective air of a teacher. Han found himself listening, despite his fury. It was a very convoluted problem, Spray Odeman began. First... There was the evidence that you had taken off of Zlarb, which, you see, led you to Bonadan and convinced me that you were the slaver. At the spaceport, when you headed for the hangar, I concluded that you were about to depart the planet. There were materials at hand, a pair of work gloves, and an industrial solvent that could double as an anesthetic. That prompted an overly hasty decision on my part to attempt to take from you whatever information you possessed in such a manner as to make you suspicious of your, um, confederates. But you turned out to be a resourceful man, Captain. Han snorted. I still can't believe you worked up the guts to jump me, even with the lights out. Spray drew himself up to his full height. Don't make the mistake so many others have. I'm more capable than I appear. With your superior eyesight neutralized, you would almost certainly have grown dizzy from the fumes before I. I can, after all, hold my breath for protracted periods. But immediately after our struggle, Galandro here, who'd been running a check on you, informed me of your true identity. I decided I'd found my solution. Han's brows knit. Solution? Spray turned to Chewbacca. Remember our board game and the eight Ilthmar Gambit, a lone combatant sent in to draw out an opponent? Captain Solo, you were that playing piece, my solution, 
The slavers knew you were no security operative and that you couldn't appeal to the legal authorities. You compelled them to acts that made them vulnerable, as you can see, to me. That made Han remember something else. He looked to Fiola. What about you? Spray answered for her. Oh, she's precisely what she said she is. An ambitious, aggressive, loyal employee. The house cleaning required by this whole business will leave some prime job slots in my organization. I plan to see Fiola amply rewarded. My deputy territorial manager's position will be vacant quite soon, I should think. A plush job with the authority, Hans bad. Worst gang of plunders who ever infested space. Not everyone can outfly them or rob them blind, Han, Fiola said. But somebody inside might bring change, as Spray's been trying to do. If someone had the right position, she might do a great deal of good. You see? Spray's question was filled with approval. Our attitudes are complimentary. For all your daring and ability, Captain, you'll never do appreciable damage to an organization of the authority's size and wealth. I submit to you that beings like Fiola and myself, working within it, may accomplish what blasters cannot. How can you fault her for that? To avoid answering, Han looked at Galandro. What was the challenge all about? The gunman's hand moved in an airy dismissal. The Glade clan constituted a particular problem. Their records are connected to a destruct switch manned by loyal clan members. We couldn't risk going in and taking the evidence, only to have it destroyed in the process. The elder Morglade mistrusted the slavers, and they suspected him of planning to extort more money from them. They aren't the type for faith in human nature, you see. The slavers made secret overtures to the Riesbon clan, and when the elder Morglade learned of it, he began making roundabout contact with Spray, fearing his clan was going to be betrayed. He was poisoned very soon thereafter, of course, partly at Zlarb's suggestion, as it seems. I preceded you all here. After the Falcon made her emergency landing, Odeman, sorry, sir, Spray, managed to contact me. I saw an opportunity to use the peculiar structure of their code to put the glades in your debt, Solo. It wasn't very difficult to make myself available to the Riesbonds. And as far as they're concerned, they're the ones who originated the idea of having me challenge the new Moor Glade to a duel. A marvelous inspiration, applauded Spray. And it was also at your suggestion that the Riesbonds contrived to key open the lifeboat transceiver? Galandro shrugged modestly, twisting his mustache. Han wanted to kick himself. And everyone else present. Wait a minute, Spray, he objected. How'd you contact him? You were stuck out in the mountains. Spray was suddenly chagrined. Er, uh, yes. There were Comotechs standing by for my signal, but I had to have uninterrupted use of the Falcon's facilities in case Galandro wasn't immediately available. He turned to the Wookiee. And that involves an apology I owe you. To keep you away from the ship for the requisite time, I frightened those grazers into stampeding with a flare gun, meaning only to isolate you on the ridge for a time. I had no idea there'd be so many of them, or that you'd be endangered 
I'm truly sorry. Chewbacca pretended not to hear him, and Spray didn't press the issue. So, you're just another hired gun, Han said to Galandro. Is that right? An errand boy on the authorities' chain? The gunman was amused. You've got a lot of time to put in before you're ready to pass judgment on me, Solo. Whereas I've been in your place already. I've done it all. But I got tired of waiting to die in some senseless manner. So I've given up sleeping with one eye open, and in return, I've got a future. Don't be surprised if you feel this way yourself, somewhere down the line. Never, Han thought. But he found Galandro to be more of a puzzle than ever. With Mag and the others in the slaver ship, and the evidence that's come to light, I should think our case will be incontestable, Spray said with satisfaction. Then you won't be needing us, Han said hopefully. Not quite true, the territorial manager admitted. I'm afraid I can't simply let you go, though I'll do what I can to elicit leniency for you. Han made a skeptical face. From an authority court? Spray looked pained, squinting at Han, then away. Seeing the empty safety cage, he said, Galandro, did you bring no men? Who's going to fly the Millennium Falcon back to port? They will, Galandro announced, indicating Han and Chewbacca. I'll go with them to make sure they behave. Spray was shaking his head vigorously. This is sheer recklessness. Needless risk-taking. I know you didn't enjoy reneging on your challenge, but that was in line with your employment. There's no need to be provocative. I will bring them in, Galandro repeated coolly. Don't forget that I work for you under certain agreed-upon conditions. Yes, Spray lisped softly to himself, stroking his whiskers. He turned to Han. This is Galandro's affair. I cannot interfere. I advise you most emphatically against any rash acts, Captain Tholo. He extended his paw, offering a friendship grip. Good luck to you. Han ignored the extended hand, staring directly at Fiola, who wouldn't meet his gaze. Spray looked at Chewbacca, but the Wookiee conspicuously clamped both hands on the sling of his bowcaster and gazed off into empty air. The territorial manager sadly withdrew his hand. Should you both succeed in avoiding imprisonment, I would advise you to leave the authority as quickly as you can and never, never return. Fiola, we'd better be going. Oh, and Galandro, please make sure you obtain Zlarb's data plaque from Captain Solo. He started off at a slow amble, tail dragging the rocky ground. Fiola fell in at his side without a backward glance. Galandro extended his hand to Chewbacca. I'm afraid I can't have both of you armed, my tall friend. I'll take the bowcaster. Chewbacca growled, showing long fangs, and might have tried for a shootout right then and there. But there was no doubt that the gunman could kill the Wookiee where he stood, and maybe get Han as well. At least, Galandro seemed confident he could. Pass it to him, Chewie, Han ordered. The Wookiee looked at him snarled again at Galandro and reluctantly handed his weapon over stock first. Galandro was careful to stay out of reach of those shaggy arms. With a gesture to the ramp, he invited them aboard. 
It's nearly that time, Captain Solo, said the gunman. Just about, Han agreed to himself, and preceded Galandro up the ramp. Now, said Galandro, contentedly when they were aboard, if your co-pilot will be good enough to prepare the ship, you and I will get that data plot. He caught Chewbacca's eye. Warm up your engines only, and don't do anything rash, my friend. Your partner's life hinges on it. The Wookiee turned to go, and Han led the way toward his quarters. The cramped cubicle was in the same disarray as when he had last seen it, with clothes and equipment strewn on the sleeping pallet and the tiny desk and chair. The pallet's freefall netting had somehow come unstrapped from its retainers and hung from the bulkhead. A used meal pack tray sat atop the desk reader. Han ignored the clutter and stepped to his minuscule closet as Galandro put the bowcaster aside. With the gunman watching him carefully, Han reached his right hand into the inner pocket of his thermosuit, feeling for Zlarb's security case. But as he groped for it, he found that the case's clip was engaged, hooked through the top edge of the pocket. That Wookiee's a big, ugly genius, Han thought, instantly covering the disarm button with his forefinger and drawing the case out, separating it from its clip. He offered it to the gunman. Galandro put out his own right hand willingly. It had occurred to him that Han might take advantage of the brief distraction and go for his blaster while Galandro's right hand was on the case. He was more than happy to let Han try it if he wanted to. But while both men's right hands were still on the security case, Han simply moved his finger off the safety. The two cried out as a surge of neuroparalysis washed up their arms like an absolute zero lightning bolt. The security case clattered to the deck as they both clutched numb, useless arms to their sides. Galandro gritted his teeth and glared at Han, who slowly and cautiously flipped open the tie-down of his holster. Galandro's own left hand started for his holstered weapon, but he realized what an awkward move it was, and that Han hadn't gone for his blaster yet. Han tugged at his gun belt until his blaster sat, butt forward, on his left hip. Galandro, smile gone, did the same with his own tooled holster. Their hands were close to their weapons now. Had to change the odds a bit. Han grinned amiably. Hope you don't mind. Whenever you're ready, Galandro, the stage is yours. The gunfighter's upper lip now held beads of sweat among the strands of his mustache. His hand began to tense, fingers preparing for the unfamiliar task. Han almost went for his gun then, but curbed himself sharply. Galandro would have to be the one to decide. The gunman's left hand drooped loosely as he abandoned the effort. Chewbacca, unable to ignore the outcries he'd heard, appeared at the hatch. Han snatched the blaster from Galandro's tooled holster and pressed it into his first mate's midsection as he dodged past him. Hold on to him. I'm getting us out of here if I can. He was reading instrumentation from the moment he entered the cockpit at a full run. He stopped himself with the heel of his left hand against the console and bolted into his seat. The engines were hot, but, as per Galandro's orders, guns, shields, and everything else but Kamo were cold. The neurocharge hadn't been crippling. The feeling in his right arm was already coming back. For all the good it'll do me, he frowned to himself. 
He was shocked at how little time had passed since he'd entered the ship. Spray and Fiola had only now finished the long walk back to the cage. He smashed his fist against the console. Look at this. If I had firepower, I'd have two perfect hostages under the guns. Or if I had tractors, I could haul them back here. There are other ways to handle cargo besides tractors, said a high-pitched vocoder. Isn't that right, Bollocks? Blue Max is quite correct, sir, drawled the labor droid from the navigator's seat, from which he'd been keeping a photoreceptor on things, his plastron open. As a general labor droid, I might point out, Han cut him off with a blood-curdling war whoop and screamed back over his shoulder, hoping his co-pilot would hear, Chewie! Hold on to your pelt. We're taking the long shot. He brought up full engine power. Giving the Millennium Falcon entirely too much acceleration, he tore off from a dead standstill to scream along under the belly of the destroyer, retracting landing gear as he went. Even with full braking thrusters, he barely made a tight bank, throwing himself against the console as Bollocks floundered for a handhold. Lining up his shot, he applied more power. The safety cage, suspended halfway up to the access lock on its utility tractor, was before him with unbelievable speed. With more instinct than skill, Han made microscopic split-second corrections in his course and hit braking thrusters again. The starboard bow mandible slipped through the cage's sling arm. Han accelerated again, carefully but extremely quickly, tearing the cage out of the utility tractor's grasp. Go ahead, go ahead, he taunted the mountainous destroyer, whose weapons still tracked him. Shoot me. You'll blow your territorial manager to particles. But no fire came. The falcon shrieked out from under the Espo warship's belly. Everything had happened with such suddenness that Han had snagged at the cage before fire control officers could decide what to do. Now they were powerless to intervene without endangering their superior. But the destroyer rose majestically and fell in behind the freighter in close pursuit. Han was beside himself, laughing, howling, stomping his boots on the deck, but still piloting with utmost care. If anything happened to Spray and Fiola now, the warship would surely eradicate the Falcon. He was relieved to find that the cage's sling arm appeared to be firmly seated across the bow mandible. Chewbacca appeared, pushing a ruffled Galandro along before him. The Wookiee thrust the gunman into the commo officer's seat, then took his own. Galandro was smoothing his mustache and straightening his clothes. Solo, was it necessary to have this behemoth body press me to the safety cushioning? Then he noticed what had happened. Grudging admiration crept into his voice. You seem to have gained the advantage, Solo. Congratulations, but please control yourself. The territorial manager is an extremely reasonable fellow, and I'm sure he'll agree to any sane terms. I don't suppose that your unconditional release would be too much to ask. Oh, and perhaps afterward, we can try that draw, for curiosity's sake. You may drain my pistol's charge first, if you like. I'd just like to know what would have happened. 
Hans spared him a quick, disdainful look from the touchy business of guiding the falcon smoothly and levelly through the hard, rocky peaks of Amud. You pay to see the cards, Galandro. You folded. The gunfighter nodded politely. Of course, what could I have been thinking of? There will be other occasions, Captain. These circumstances were unique. They both knew that was true. Han swallowed his next taunt. If your arm's coming around, you can warm up the combo board and contact the commander of that gunboat back there. Tell him I want time and room to finish repairs on the Falcon and a little more on the side for a head start. No stunts now, or they'll be picking spray up with blotters. Arrangements will be satisfactory, Galandro assured him calmly, with adequate safeguards for both sides. He set to work at the combo board. Han cut his speed back, satisfied that there would be no fire from the Espos. He knuckled his co-pilot's arm. That was a cute move. What made you rig up the security cases, Clip? The Wookiee answered with a string of the honks and grunts of his own language. Han turned his face back front, so his expression wouldn't show. It was highly unlikely that Galandro understood any Wookiee, and he wouldn't know unless he saw the pilot's face, how Chewbacca's reply had bewildered him. Because Chewbacca hadn't connected the security case's clip. And that left only one other person who had known where the case was. Han, half stood, half leaned forward to look down through the canopy at the gently swaying safety cage. Spray was huddled miserably in the lowest corner of the dangling cage, webbed fingers clutched at the guardrail and its meshwork. He was making a courageous effort, it seemed, not to become airsick as he pondered the sudden reversals of fate. Han figured that even with this turnabout, it had been a good day for the territorial manager. He resolved to trade grips with Spray before they again parted company. Viola, unlike her superior, was braced more or less upright, clinging to the sling arm and staring up at the cockpit. When she saw Han gazing down, a slow and secret smile crossed her face. Knowing how well she could read the slightest kinetic movement, he mouthed, you are one very, very sharp future senior board member. He saw a laugh escape her then, and she made a small, mocking bow of the head. He pulled back down into his seat. Galandro had raised the destroyer and was remonstrating with her skipper. I might just have to hang on to one of my hostages a little longer, Han interrupted, to make sure you keep your end of the deal. Galandro swiveled his chair around in surprise. And don't get yourself in a lather, Galandro. You'll get her back if your word's good. He went back to flying, checking sensors for a suitable landing spot. One more thought occurred to him. By the way, Galandro, find out how much cash the purser has in his vault. He snickered at Chewbacca's questioning bark. What do you mean, what for? Somebody owes you and me 10000 for services rendered. Or did you forget? Galandro, teeth clenched, went back to his argument with the Espo captain. Chewbacca's happy guffaws rang as the Wookiee pounded his armrest, the vibrations traveling through the deck. Han leaned forward again and blew Fiola a heartfelt kiss. <laughs>